All right, we are waiting for this to get going, and then we will get going. Just confirming, making sure everything is all hunky-dory, and then we will knock this into forward progress. Just got to get the okay here from YouTube, although I think it's already running the way that it's supposed to. Uh, yeah, we're good. Okay, well, let me uh, get this going here. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is my UFC 237 post-fight special. It will also be a Bellator 221, something of a post-fight special for that as well. If you don't want spoilers, now is your time to exit out of the uh, podcast if you're listening on audio uh, or on video if you're watching right now because that's about to get going here. So without further ado, let's kick things off here tonight, shall we? Yes, we shall. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. As I mentioned, my name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of the uh, uh, MMA Hour, MMA Beat on MMA Fighting. I'm the host of the Luke Thomas Show on SiriusXM, as well as everything here on my personal YouTube channel. Thank you so much for joining me. So today, some UFC 237 results. It just ended. If you don't want spoilers, as I mentioned before, now is the time to get out of it. A couple of ground rules on this one, if we can. Number one, you can see my nose is still just completely jacked up. It's uh, it's all swollen and shit here still um, because I had it operated on on Tuesday. So I'm going to try not to breathe through my mouth too much, but I might end up doing it. Bit of an upgrade here. I got a new uh, boom mic arm, which I'm pretty excited about. And I had to get the camera a little bit closer today because of some wiring issues. But we at least have the better Sony a7 III rocking here for you guys today. So uh, all good stuff. All right. Uh, as always, please give the video a like, subscribe to the channel. I've been telling you guys this. It's not a secret. I'm going to keep saying it. When we get to 100,000 subscribers on the channel, the content is going to explode here. We're going to have a separate podcast strictly on this channel as well as some private stuff for people who become members when we open up that. So please subscribe to the channel. Spread the word. Help folks get the um, well, get the word um, by letting them know. We are, we are not that far away. We should be there in a few months. Um, but I am very much looking forward to really opening things up. There are, uh, well, I can't say a whole lot right now, but there are some reasons to think that this channel is going to become way more important in my career um, in 2019. I'll leave it at that. So, so let's do, uh, let's really hammer it home. If you would like to get a question answered, which one would this, then you can donate in the super chat below, and uh, it can be anything. It could be whatever the minimum they let you give is, you can give that and I'll answer those at the end. And that can go for both Bellator as well as UFC tonight. Uh, last thing, as I mentioned before, in the description box below, you can see uh, links for the merch store as well as, which is a little bit out of date, but uh, the Beta Academy. If you're ever in Washington, D.C., it's at the corner of Florida and 14th Northwest. Great place to train. Uh, I certainly do not train there right now, but it is historically where I have gone and they are great people there. If you need a place to train for Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, Kickboxing, head on over there. All right. Okay. Uh, with all that out of the way, let us get to these results. Wow. Um, <laughs> so UFC 237, we will start there. What a uh, uh, what a main event. All right. Let me just read the results here. Jessica Andrade defeats Rose Namajunas at 258 of the second round via slam on a KO. Uh, Rose Namajunas looked amazing in this fight right up until the fact that she had lost... Uh, either consciousness or the ability to fight back and then the fight itself. But she looked amazing. 
Her in and out movement was great. Her lateral movement was great. Her fakes and feints were great. Her use of range was great. Um, she was scoring takedowns. She was negating some of the takedowns from Jessica Andrade by holding onto a Kimura grip, reaching over the back and then uh, on top uh, as a mechanism uh, to hold on. And she nearly scored an arm bar as a consequence of just, I mean, you have to understand something about the Kimura grip. It's not just any old grip. It's not just me gripping this bar like that, right? A Kimura grip is a very powerful grip, right? I, I don't know exactly the mechanics of why it is. I, I couldn't do a good job of explaining it. But if I'm thinking about all the different kinds of grips you can get, even with the gi, man, dude, a Kimura grip is super powerful. It's a super powerful grip. So number one, it's just a strong way to, to, to hold on to something. And literally what she was doing was... Rose was attaching herself to Jessica. And so as a consequence, when Jessica was trying to like throw her or dump her or you know do whatever she was going to do, Rose found ways to always either spring back to her feet or go for the arm bar or like circle. I may, I may bleed through my nose here. If I do, I apologize. Or just find ways to get, you know, just, just find ways. If I, you can, if I can attach you, somebody, to, if they can attach themselves to me, and when I try to slam them, it's just you're not going to get that same release at the end, right? It's not going to have the same impact unless you crash with them, but then they still have the Kimura grip. So it just causes a lot of problems. Now, in the end, there was a workaround for it. But early on, this is what was happening, and her jab was good for Rose. Her cross was good. I was looking at this. I even tweeted. I was like, oh, my God, dude. Rose Namajunas is a badass. And we knew that before, but like the maturation of skill, so high, so high, super high. And, uh, and then the ground and pound on top. And, like, she was just giving Jessica Andrade the business. Bloodying her, I think, left eye early on. Huh. And then going to work on her. And then they go back to the corners. And then Jessica had a bit of a better game plan in the second round. Leg kicking. Doing a little bit more to march forward. Uh, collapsing the space a little bit more neatly. So, she was making better contact with her. And then the end came... When she went for another pickup, Rose goes for the Kimura grip again. Again, super powerful grip. But the difference was that she got her left ear to the back of Rose and essentially picked her up between her legs and then rotated her. And then um, I had some thoughts about tonight's commentary, but I thought Daniel Cormier did a really great job in this particular regard, which is he noted that when he picks people up, that was the same kind of throw I believe he used... Um, I don't want to say it's quite true, but I, I need to go back and see it again. But it reminds me of the same pickup and throw Daniel Cormier had on Josh Barnett in the finals of the heavyweight strike force Grand Prix, where he picked him up, but then he rotated him all the way. And Cormier had noted that one of the reasons why Nama Yunus got slammed on her head as opposed to getting rotated over was because she held on to the grip. So before she was getting like fireman carry. Or uh, it was like um, a head inside single. I have to go back and look at exactly what it was. But she just couldn't quite get enough of a separation or the right angle to really hurt her on the on the drop. I mean, I'm sure they didn't feel good, but not to a fight-changing effect in the way that you saw there. And um, this time she did. This time she did. By getting that head outside, and then I'm pretty sure. Now, I'm not saying Barnett had the Kimura grip. I'd have to go, I'd have to go back and watch. But the same pickup, high crotch, look across the back, up and over. Yeah, I think that one is the same. And uh, he and she got her and put her right on her head. And I had noted between the first and the second round, I was like, dude, Rose is better everywhere 
other than in like heft and, and strength. And uh, in a sport where there are so many creative offensive opportunities and in a sport where you can do so many weird things, yeah, yeah, man, that is a... Um, that is a perfectly valid way to win. I was thinking about this. Like, what was the last time somebody won a major title in MMA through a slam? Like, you, you could say, well, what about Rampage Arona? That wasn't for a title. So you could say Hughes Newton. That was for a title. Um, I'd have to think. I mean, I'm sure there's another one I'm not thinking of. But they don't happen that often. They happen in situations where you just have somebody who is freak of nature for a particular weight class rampage in his prime was just dumb strong right crazy strong and uh carlos newton um matt hughes carlos newton was pretty strong but uh you know that was that was sort of a delayed effect one like rampage pulling arona up and then dropping him back down that was all almost it was like a snatch right it was all one motion essentially snatch is more than one motion because your body has to drop but you get the idea like it's one continuous there's a, there's a break between the clean and the jerk, yeah? Anyway, long story short, it was like that. Whereas, yeah, so that's exactly what it was. So so Rampage Arona was a snatch because it was just up and down, essentially. And then um, Newton and uh, Hughes was a clean and jerk where there was a break in between because he put them up on the top of the ring apron or cage apron, and they were like, bring them down. Then he just bah, dropped them down. Of course, both went out, which is the real story there. Anyway. Incredible win. And I know this on Twitter as well. If you look at Jessica Andrade's resume in the UFC, it's crazy good. She has wins, and this is at 135, uh, over Rosie Sexton, who's a legend in the sport, Raquel Pennington, former title contender, Larissa Pacheco. And then she has some losses. She lost to Marion Renault, but then she beat Sarah Morris. Uh, and then she lost to Raquel Pennington a little bit later. And then she drops to 115. She beats Jessica Penny, Joanne Calderwood, Angela Hill. She lost to Joanna, okay. Then she beat Claudia, Gadelia, Tisha Torres, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, and now Rose Namajunas. Dude, that is a murderer's row of fighters to have on your resume. And so it got me to thinking as well. And all this is kind of fresh in my mind, but I was thinking the first thing I thought when Rose got slammed like that was, um, I don't think that would happen to Tatiana Suarez. Now, Suarez has her hands full. Uh, who is she fighting? I kind of forgot now. Um, let me see. Tatiana Suarez. I can barely remember anything at this point. Uh, she is fighting, let's see, Nina Ansaroff, who's also on a hell of a win streak coming up her soon. But I was thinking, like, how do you defeat, how do you defeat somebody like Jessica? You can do what, I'm 115 anyway. You can do what, Joanna did, which is just stick and move, stick and move, stick and move, which Rose did a pretty good job of until she didn't. Um, or the other one is to just control her. And you can't match, I don't think, her strength in that division, but you can match her technique and you can surpass her technique. And Tatiana Suarez can surpass her technique. And th she's not going to get lifted in the same way at all. Um so that's the fight I think I want to see. Now, of course, Tatiana Suarez has to get past Nina Ansaroff, and so we'll see how things go there. But that was the, that was the, I, I, when the Sousa fight was over, I was like, yeah, that was awesome. That was really awesome. That was super, super violent and awesome. I don't think that would happen to Tatiana Suarez. Now, I could be wrong about that, of course. It's just my hunch. But that, that was, that was, 
literally what came to me um, during the course of that fight. So now you have uh, the Brazilians did not have a good night at UFC 237, but Jessica Andrade obviously certainly did. Uh, let's see on the main card, all the Brazilians lost except her. Um, they all lost except her, but that was you know she was the one that mattered the most because that was for the title. And um, in thinking about Rose, though, she said something kind of interesting, didn't she? At the end, she was like, "That's a huge weight off her shoulders," or she said, "It's a huge weight off my shoulders." And um, I remember when I interviewed her for the MMA Hour. I don't know if you guys heard it. She was saying like she could fall to pieces at any point. Like I don't know, man. The str- the stress got to her, and I don't want to go out here and declare she's not capable of being a champion. Not by virtue of her skill. Her skills, are, I mean, were ridiculous. But the mentality you have to have, where you have to do all the media, and you have to, you know, you have to just to um, be in the public eye and you have to fight the number one person typically fight after fight after fight after fight after fight. Like it's just a lot to deal with. I don't know if it's in the, in the, in not, the not in the talent consideration but on the sort of the mental approach. I don't know if she had the right idea or the right um, the right frame for it right now. Like the, the, the disposition uh, at like I think eight and four as she is in her career. Which by the way is like one of the most lead, misleading um, records in like all of women's MMA, like to be eight and four, you might think, oh, she's no good. Yo, she's amazing. But at any point, um, and, and under any case, um, I thought that was highly revealing when she said that. I did. I thought that 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 sort of stuck out to me as like, hmm, that she's still so young that maybe when she makes another lap at the top for the title, this won't be as much of a consideration. But currently, I don't know. That's something that she appears all that um, ready for. By the way, it's also worth noting that uh, it's a thing we've been talking about a lot if you listen to my radio show. Um, the next generation of Brazilian stars, it's its not been clear where they're going to come from. you got a couple of them, like Paulo Costa. We'll see how things go. He's going to fight you all, Romero. Um, you thought Renato Moicano was going to break through, and he didn't. And there are some other ones who you could point to. But there was this big concern in Brazil, and there still is, that you had these like old generation of fighters Nogueras being some of them, Silva being another one of them, to a lesser extent, but part of it also Aldo. But you go back and there's like the Machitas and the Jacarés and the blah, blah. Like there was this the Silvas and the Silverals. There was like this golden age of uh, fighters coming out of Brazil, and they were stacking every weight class, and they were lasting for long times, and they were at time, and they were winning titles, and it wasn't clear that the next generation of Brazilian fighters was going to be able to take over that mantle. And, and I don't think that they will, at least not in the totality. But then you have somebody like Jessica Andrade, who is that new generation of fighter, and she can go through and put together a, a run in the UFC like the way she did, where several setbacks and still goes out there and wins a title. It's pretty impressive. You know, she was strong as shit at 135. Then she goes down to 115. And I think she is probably, in terms of the physical dimension of the game, utterly peerless. Um, and clearly she has weaponized it as well. She has found a way to weaponize that strength. A lot of people are like, oh, what's strength really good for? Because it's not that kind of a sport. Well, in most, most cases, I don't think folks know how to do it or how to use it. She does. She does. She knows exactly, if not exactly, she certainly seems to have some kind of instinct for um, how to leverage it in a way that can be uh, effective for punishment in the game. And I don't just mean like, oh, heavy takedown or heavy, um, you know, elbows on ground and pound. Like, no, man, like 
she can pick you up and still go five rounds. In the men's divisions, you don't really see that. She's like an ant. Like, you ever seen this, like, the, the studies, like, what's the strongest animal in the world relative to what it can carry in comparison to its body weight? Like, the ant. She's like an ant, dude. Um, and it's pretty impressive to watch. It's certainly pretty impressive to watch. Uh, we'll probably circle back to that here a little bit later. What do I say about the co-main event? Jared Cannonier taking on Anderson Silva, uh, winning at 447 of the first round. Man, I don't even know what to say about that one. It's like um, Jared Cannonier looked pretty good. If you know anything about Jared Cannonier, you got, I thought it was a foregone conclusion he was going to win. Um, so Silva takes a leg kick, looked to be an inside leg kick, and he kind of buckled. Referee Herb Dean waved it off and it looked like he couldn't continue. Excuse me. And um, and that was that. There wasn't a whole lot to that story. Uh, Silva looked pretty good at times, scored a decent body kick, uh, was moving okay. It was fine. It's like I keep seeing this thing where people are like, oh, uh, I tweeted like um, he was signing. He was on the, uh, so I forget who reported it. Someone had reported that Anderson was on the verge of signing yet another UFC deal. And I get it if you're the UFC and you want to pay this guy to still be on cards so that other promoters can't get him. But if you're just observing, the, and I know this has been eroded over time, but if you're asking, like, is this guy really competitive with elite middleweights? Not really. Not really. I mean, he can be competitive in spurts. He can be competitive in moments. He can be competitive in certain capacities. But when it comes, like, are they, are they putting W's on the board? No, they are not. No, they are not. And um, when you get past 40, like he said he had another injury in training. And guys, you can be 20 years old and have a knee injury in training. There's nothing particularly unique about being 40 and that being a condition you're suffering from. On the other hand, the guy is 44. Do we really think that if it's not this one, it won't be the next one where the age is not a determining factor in your resistance to injury and your resistance to injury and an exacerbating injury in a fight? Like... Like I just don't understand what is happening here, to be quite honest with you, other than to deprive his services of a rival promoter as he would exit the promotion because people still want to see people who are essentially past it. Uh, you know. And again, he's not like washed in that particular regard, but um, he's, you know, he, they're, as I mentioned, they're not hanging W's on his record, man. Um, you go back and look at it, I'm looking at it now. You know, his last real win was the Derek Brunson win, which was kind of controversial. Before that, Nick Diaz, which was overturned. But his last, like, super clean, no doubt about it, win was Stefan Bonner back in 2012. Now, that's not BJ Penn bad, but it's not great, man. It's not great. And, and uh, you know, all people, he can decide to be the one to, to call it a day. Well, yeah, like, I'm not his mother. I can't pull him out of the ring by his ear, you know. And be like, time, time to you know go home, and you're grounded. No, I can't do that. Uh, I don't have that capacity. But that's a really stupid way to look at things. And I don't take that seriously as an argument. Like you can never tell another man to retire. I'm not even necessarily telling him to retire. I'm not exactly sure what I'm saying. Other than I don't get what is happening here. Uh, he's going out there and fighting, and again, in moments, kind of looking pretty good. Um, you know, even for rounds, more than a round, you know, at certain times. Uh, I thought against Adesanya, it was kind of sort of the perfect sort of uh, paced kind of fight to showcase that kind of thing. 
But against a guy like Cannoneer, who's just trying to blast you with every shot that he had, you know, you're 44 on a, on a beat-up leg. It's like, are we going to keep doing this kind of – I guess we are. I guess we are going to keep doing this kind of thing. But, you know, my appetite for it – people are like, we're putting this on Jared Cannoneer, like, oh, the fight was uninteresting because of him. Uh, and I guess he's not the name that Anderson Silva is, but, like – I don't know, man. If you're the kind of fight fan that's got a super big appetite to see Anderson Silva fight in this condition, I legitimately question your palate in fighting. I, I really do. I don't. I don't. I don't derive pleasure from this. It doesn't. It doesn't soothe me. Um, and by the way, shouts to Jared Cannonier, because I get so sick of American fighters going to Brazil and then they're just getting you know bukkakeed with booze. <laughs> The whole crowd is just, boo, you know, going crazy. You can't hear anything else. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Brazil. You're so great. Look, Brazil is great. And, like, that's the way the fans want to be, and that's the way the fans want to be. But don't go over there and suck up to them. Like, what is that? Stop doing that. Jared Cannonier goes out there and beats Anderson Silva, does one of these numbers, and then Anik puts a microphone in his face, and he does, like, a 10-count moment of silence before he even responds, and then was like, if they don't respect me, I don't respect them. Thank you, Jared Cannonier. Thank you. Like, I didn't necessarily need the acrimony, but I am so tired. I'm so tired of American or whoever, Western fighter. Well, it's the West, too, but whatever you want to say. Gringos. Heading over there and uh, kissing up to them. Stop, stop doing that. They're not, you're not going to win their love. If they're, if they're showering you with booze, Man, give it back to them or just ignore it. But, oh, I'm so sorry. And then genuflecting before the Brazilians. Man, stop, please. Never again. Um, so that was that. I don't have a whole lot to say about that one, unfortunately. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky defeating Jose Aldo. Man, what a performance. <whistles> Unbelievable. Uh, winning 30-27 across the board. Aldo looked pretty good. Aldo looked pretty good. He just, I thought, uh, if it was Dominic or it was DC, I don't know. One of them said that Aldo was looking for a sort of a big counter shot and Volkanovski was happy to work. And I think that's generally a good way to look at it. And look at what Volkanovski was doing. Man, he's a tough customer. He's a tough customer. Um, What was he doing? So one of the things I noticed was either in speeding it up or in slowing it down, he had either expedited or delayed timing on some of his strikes. Go back and look at them. He would uh, go through the motions where you would expect a strike to follow the next one in some kind of an identifiable frequency that you see all fighters throw. And he would either speed that up or more commonly, he would wait just a half beat and on the half beat then throw which enabled him to close the distance more and then just not not really disrupt uh, Aldo's timing, but just land on a time when you weren't expecting it. All these things feel like they're supposed to be in rhythms or identifiable patterns. And if you can disrupt that pattern, you know, you can have a great shot at doing something. And uh, that's what he did. And he did it pretty, pretty effectively. And he was doing you know, amazing lateral movement. And he would, you know, jab, jab, cross switch over into a different stance, same kind of combination or different kind of combination, um, catering to that switch, like a lot of the same kind of stuff that Israel Adesanya does, but a little bit quicker, right? And a lot of the stuff was just, it was just frequent attacks. Uh, Israel Adesanya appears to be a little bit more deliberate in choosing before closing the distance or attempting to throw. Volkanovsky was just getting in there, working behind the jab and 
and um, and sorry about that, and just making some things get uh, happen. So there was this delayed and expedited timing. There was this weird entries, and uh, and I just think Aldo got caught looking a little bit. You know, he didn't look bad. I thought he looked pretty fast, Aldo. I thought he had he landed some good shots of his own. He landed a couple of rib roasters in the first round that were pretty effective um, in the end. So that was nice and and uh, good to see. He didn't get blown out. He didn't get super hurt. He didn't get dropped. He just got beaten by a guy who had what I would describe as a more advanced and uh, diverse skill set, uh, at least in terms of the feet. Um, you know, obviously Aldo's got great you know wrestling and anti wrestling and great jujitsu. I don't mean that way necessarily, but certainly at, uh, at distance, Volkanovski just had a lot of trickery and he was active and voluminous. And again, messing with the timing, messing with the distance, collapsing the space, exiting at angles resetting at angles, L-stepping the whole bit. Like, he just kind of had Jose. Jose wasn't biting on the fakes, but he wasn't able to read a lot either, um, other than sort of quick reactions, which he's always really good at. But a lot of times, Wilkonowski would collapse space before you, he could really react in an effective way. And so, man, there's just no doubt about it, dude. Wilkonowski, undefeated. Look at this guy's resume at 145. I mean, it's just crazy. Here's what he's done in the UFC. He beat Yusuke uh, Kasuya, uh, you know. Your guess is as good as mine who that is at this point. Uh, Mizuta Hirota, very good fighter. Shane Young, who's now a teammate. Jeremy Kennedy, he uh, stopped him with strikes. Darren Elkins, he defeated Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo. The guy has radically improved in the last two years. He's really, really gotten good and started to put everything together and has and sticks to a game plan, has great, um, great cardiovascular conditioning, uh, takes a shot well. Like He's a good fighter, man. He's a really good fighter. And so... I don't know how that guy's not your consensus number one candidate for a title shot against Max Holloway. God damn it, I need a tissue. I don't see how that guy's not. He has to be. I know Frankie Edgar was out there looking for one, and um, you know I think everybody has affectionate feelings for Frankie, but just you know meritocratically, uh, Alexander Volkanovski is your guy. He's absolutely your guy. And that's a hell of a fight against Max Holloway, man, because Volkanovski is the kind of guy who can fight. <clears throat> He can fight uh, Holloway's. He can fight fire with fire with Holloway. Holloway actually, and that one would, might want to get it grimier. Actually, Holloway has been one of those guys who can be grimy and then has elevated his game. Whereas in this particular context, context he would still want to leave a degree of elevation there, certainly on a defensive standpoint. But um, In scoring offense, you might actually have to disrupt everything. You'd let a guy like Volkanovsky get to work. Dude, you're just going to sit there and try and make reads about things you can't see coming or, you know, he's changing weapons depending on range and this, which everyone does, but like he's doing it in the, as he changes through in real time. And it's a, it's a, he's a, he's a problem. Alexander Volkanovsky is a problem for people. Let's be clear about that. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about Loriano, um, Staropoli versus Tiago Alves. Uh, Irene Aldana defeating Bech Cojeo is a nice armbar. Uh, it was impromptu because she was falling off the back. DC was right, I think. But, dude, she had the head kind of controlled. She had the arm isolated. And the hip line, the elbow was past the hip line. You got to respect it. And she did. So, nice armbar. Uh, Ryan Spann knocking out Rogerio Noguera. Good job walking forward, changing things up. Did it at 207 to the first round. Tiago Moises defeating Kurt Halaba. Varley Alves defeating Sergio Moraes. Clay Guida defeating BJ Penn. Jesus. 
29-28, man. What do you want to say about B.J. Penn at this point that hasn't already been said? Like, even talking about B.J. is, um, it's just perilous because you just run the risk of being shitty at this point. God. So here's my one real gripe with the commentators. I thought they did an amazing job in the main event. I thought they did a really great job in defending Jared Cannonier in the co-main event. Like the problem with UFC commentary, and it's not about it's not about um, in particular Dominic or in particular Paul Felder or anybody or DC, is that they're sort of required to be relentlessly positive, and they're not relentlessly positive, but they're just always looking at the glass being half full. And you could say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is two things. One. There are sour things, there are sour elements to what we're watching that need to be called out. Like, sometimes the glass just isn't half full, and I appreciate the positive mentality, but that's not reality all the time. And this is one of those cases, number one. Um, And number two, when everything kind of has, like, this tone of what all is going great or well, it's hard to appreciate, like, what's the difference between Clay Guida and BJ Penn versus Andrade and Nama Yunus. Like, was there a dramatic shift in the tenor of how they called those fights? Not really, actually, um, because they were giving Penn all this credit for looking better than he had, which, to be fair, some of that is deserved. But you're talking about a guy who hadn't won a fight since 2010. You know, you're talking about a guy who has now the longest losing streak in UFC history. He might even be sub 500 as a fighter at this point. Let me see. Where is he, BJ Penn? Uh, not quite. He's 16, 14, and 2. But he's getting there. He's nearly a 500 fighter. Could you ever have imagined that for BJ Penn if you saw him doing what he did to, like, you know, um, Dominic, uh, I was saying, um, Diego Sanchez or Kenny Florian or uh, any of those? I mean, when he was at his prime, you just you couldn't imagine something like this. And here we are, and we're talking about it like, Yo, he looked really. He looked a lot better, and then John Anik was like, "Oh, you know, people were burying BJ this week." Yeah, for good reason. For good reason. I'm not mad at John. I'm not mad at DC, and I'm not mad at Dominic. Like that's what the that's what the job is, man. Like they, they you know, someone's got to commentate these fights, and they're they, you know they can't call it like uh, the truth is that all the time. It's just not you know they're not, they don't have the license to do it. So I get it, but it's incumbent upon everyone else in media to not be complicit in this and I I intend to not be complicit on this. I mean forget all the stuff about the allegations from his wife. Like, okay, did BJ Penn look better this time? It's probably been one of his better rounds since the Fitch fight. I mean, I know he dropped in a Seaver, but that seems somewhat fortuitous of a moment. It wasn't like it was all that strategic and um directed as an attack. And uh so, yeah, he did look better. He looked a little bit more concerted. He was kind of fighting through to the third round. But look, they were talking about, like, oh, well, his cardio has faded. Okay, his cardio has never been all that great, to be candid with you. But at times, when he was with the Marinovich brothers, again, when he was a lightweight champion, it was pretty good. But, you know, generally speaking, he's had some issues with it. But that's not the only issue, man. Like, how, like clearly that's not the only issue. The other issue is also um, the games kind of passed him by a little bit. Um, he lost basically a boxing match to Clay Guida. Um, 
His body can't absorb punishment in the way that it used to. And I don't take pleasure in saying any of these things. If you know anything about me, and people have always asked me, oh, who are some of your favorite fighters? I don't really have any anymore. But if I ever had any of them, one of them was BJ Penn. And I've noted that in publicly a number of times. Dude, there was a time, you guys may not remember this, there was a time when BJ Penn was known for many, many things. One of them was having a granite chin. He didn't wear punishment at all. So you could hit him in the jaw and it wouldn't rock him. And you'd punch him up to the gut or whatever. And it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't leave a mark or anything. He was just Iron Man. So when people are like, oh, well, you know, his cardio is not the same. Okay, well, that, I'm, I'm not saying that's not true. But, like, dude, he's shopworn. <laughs> so, I mean, someone's got to say that. Like, he's, like he's, he's clearly shopworn. And it sucks. And I don't know why they keep putting, I don't know why he keeps wanting to do this. And I don't know why the UFC keeps wanting to do this. Like, I don't, I don't get pleasure out of this at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a legend in the sport doing this to himself. It, it's, 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 it's awful. It's not, it's like you watch this, you're like, fuck man. Like, this is not fun. It's not fun. And I, I get that Silva's not at this point yet, but. Uh, you keep letting him do that, and it's going to be. And I, and I want to get to this argument like, you know, oh, well, BJ will decide for himself when he wants to retire. Well, you, well, first of all, that's not even necessarily true. A commission could decide for him, like it appears California has decided for Chuck Liddell. But this is the point I keep making. It's like, yeah, you absolutely want to exercise some discretion about when you're going to get out there and say, hey, man, you maybe want to consider hanging him up because that is a big that's a big claim you're making about what somebody needs to do about their own life. Yeah, you should you should exercise some caution in saying it. But the absolutist position <clears throat> that you can never tell someone is horse shit. You have a moral obligation to say something at some point. And how we draw those distinctions and where those parameters get erected is difficult. It is a difficult question. We are so clearly into a place of responsibility with BJ Penn, and I would even argue Anderson Silva at this point, uh, although I realize that conversation is a little bit harder to have, but certainly with BJ Penn, if you are not saying he should retire, um, you, you are clearly part of the problem, and you have some serious questions you have to ask yourself about your ethical judgment. And what is responsible for a person to be doing? He is going in there and he is taking abuse. And I saw people saying, "Oh, well, he's not getting, you know, viciously KO'd. Subconcussive, excuse me, subconcussive blows cause CTE. Number one, it don't have to be concussive blows. Subconcussive ones cause CTE. And if you let this continue, you're going to get every other form of punishment that you ever deemed imaginable. Because this is not trending this way. N none of this is trending up." It's all tr it's all bad, man. It's all bad. It is it is it is time for somebody to be an adult about this, uh, and say you only get to do this when we can reasonably degree a guarantee, uh, uh, you know, a um, a modicum of safety and a modicum of competition. And I don't think you can really do that at this point in that organization anymore. And that's not a fun thing to say. And I'm sure someone's going to get bitter at me. Um, I'm sure one of his coaches will see this and think I'm a prick. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not saying this because I take pleasure in it. I'm not saying this because I look how much I want to be uh, controversial. I don't. There's no fun in this conversation at all. 
but it, it seems to me utterly necessary. It needs to stop. Um, Luana Carolina and Priscilla Cachuera had one of the worst fights I've ever seen in the UFC. Hayoni uh, Barcelos and Carlos uh, Joaquin had a good fight. Uh, Barcelos winning. And then Viviane uh, Arujao uh, winning uh, in her UFC debut on short notice. I think up like one or two weight classes. She looked pretty awesome there as well. So uh, those are your results for UFC 237. As I mentioned before, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. With that in mind, let me take a look at how everything is looking down here. Yeah, everything's looking all right. Um, let's quickly go over some of these Bellator results if I can. And then we'll sort of get back to this here. Bellator. All right. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, Patricio Freddy, let's start with that one. So for, this is for Bellator 221. This took place, of course, at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Patricio Freire defeating Michael Chandler at 101 of the first round. A shot came over the top, kind of caught um, Chandler on the back of the headish side of the back of the headish, dropped him. He gets on top and then lands a series of unanswered punches, some of which land clean, some of which don't, but some of them do. And then the referee comes in. Uh, I think it was, was it Al Madrigal or is that the comedian? Rob Madrigal? Something Madrigal. Um, comes in and stops it. And I was, at first glance, I was like, Oof, I don't know about that stoppage. And here's what I would say. It was pretty clear to me that Chandler was not done. It's also pretty clear to me that in the window of evaluation that the referee was looking at, he was not intelligently defending himself. It was only when he intervened that you could tell he was still with it. And it was a longer window than the Dillashaw one. So here's my rule on that one. I think it's an okay stoppage. Uh, I think that Chandler just waited too many strikes to pop up and decide to fight back. If you, I think one, fighters, one thing fighters should consider is the amount of consecutive shots an opponent lands, even if you don't think they're doing anything, even if you, they're not hurting you, the optics are really quite critical here, and the optics did not look great. And so op the optics also did not look great when the referee intervened and uh, he popped right to his feet. But you get the idea. It was it was um, it was a defensible stoppage. It was a defensible stoppage, and I say that as somebody who had again. I like Michael Chandler. Had him on my show on Monday. Like I like Michael a lot, but that's a defensible stoppage. And what's kind of interesting is it's yet. Yeah, so first of all, Producio Friday, Pitbull, uh, your second champ champ in Bellator, uh, arguably your best Bellator fighter ever. Uh, his coach Eric Albarachin. Barcine, I can never pronounce his name correctly. He had coached Henry Cejudo, who also jumped up from 125 to 135. Now, this is different. This is 145 to 155. But just think about the range of guys he's getting to go up and then d defeat their heavier counterparts. He has a big role in that. Um, and I think they're going to run this one back. I don't think it's going to stand very long in this particular way. But a huge redemption for the Pitbull brothers. They must have loved that. They had to have loved that. And um, it's it's a defensible win, man. It's a really defensible win. The thing that kind of stands out to me is like he had a speed advantage, Patricio did, on the feet. And that fight's going to be on the feet when they do it again. So like Chandler's going to really need to rethink how he approaches this fight. He's got to get it to the ground. He's got to get into close range. He's got to get it on the ground. Because uh, at distance... When Friday has like a speed and, and he's got great vision as well, 
it's a bit of a problem for Mike Chandler. I didn't had, I didn't consider it in that way. I mean, I knew he was good, obviously, uh, Friday, but uh, very good, obviously. But yeah, I thought the size advantage would wear on him. But if Chandler has trouble closing the distance and then getting a hold of him, then the size advantage in that particular case is not of much use. So that's what he ran into. So hell of a win for Patricio. Hell of a win. Uh, and then Douglas Lima defeating Michael Page. Man, Douglas Lima is probably... What a competitor he is. What a competitor he is. He has a, you know, I thought I thought uh, MVP was much more open and fighting in this contest than he was against Semtex. And he was landing a little bit. Uh, Lima sort of staying conventional, waiting for his opportunity, right? And landed a, uh, well, it was being landed on. But in the second round, he gets hit. I think he tripped as well as getting hit. So it was like a combo of the two, but he got hit. And then he lands this like thudding leg kick that takes the balance and essentially MVP off of his feet. And as he tries to like right himself, Lima gives him one right across the chin and it puts him out. And then they hammer fist him into living death in the immortal words of Kevin Shamrock. And lo, did the internet celebrate. There appeared to me a palpable sense of people who wanted to see uh, MVP get his comeuppance. Um, I think what I could detect was that some folks thought he was something of a, uh, I'm not co-signing this, but some folks thought he was a fraud or that he had fought nothing but not good fighters or, you know, whatever. And that he was, you know, he's very cocky. So people love seeing him get his comeuppance. Boy, woof. Anyway, what a win for Douglas Lima. So he now advances to the finals of the Welterweight Grand Prix where he'll face the winner of Gracie and McDonald, which will happen at Bellator NYC in June. And I just, you know, every fighter who, any of the fighters who end up, or who either will or could have ended up winning the Welterweight Grand Prix are going to benefit, right? You're going to get money, you're going to get a title, um, a lot of things. But somebody like Douglas Lima seems to me like to be able to uniquely benefit. So yes, money, great, title, all those things. But if you talk to him in person, and I've had him on my show a number of times, um, he's a smart, nice guy, but he's not, he doesn't have a lot of things to say. I don't know how well he can tell his own story. But through this accumulative process where he just gets win after win after win after win, you kind of begin to notice it's like, Jesus, man, this guy's getting a lot of wins. And then you put him in this tournament with everyone else. And so you have this mechanism to not only like get more visibility for him, but it also can tell his story in a way that I don't think he can. And so... You get the validation of the great wins, the money, the title, the visibility, and then you get this articulation kind of of who he is and what kind of a fighter he is in a way that he hasn't had to this point. He's been out here grinding. He's so good. Douglas Lima's so good. He's so patient. He's so talented. He's so unheralded. And you know, I'm not rooting for any fighter in this tournament, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if he won it, man, because... That guy has kind of toiled a little bit in obscurity. He is easily one of the best welterweights in the world, one of the best uh, fighters in the world. And in terms of how good he is relative to how much accolades he gets, um, there's a big gap there. And that winning this tournament would go a long way towards fixing that. Uh, AJ McKee and Pat Curran had a terrible fight. Not terrible, but it wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, Jake Hager defeats, uh, I think they were calling him Meat Plant or Plant Meat. I'm not sure. Or beef plant. Maybe they're calling him beef plant on Twitter. 
TJ Jones, who was like dancing on the way to the cage. Anyway, uh, Hager uses, you know, sort of what I would call relatively, he didn't need to use anything else, but relatively basic wrestling. Takes him down, uh, moves to mount. When he moves to mount, he already had locked up the early mechanics of a head and arm triangle. So he gets it and then uh, taps him out with it. Referee tries to separate him. He takes a long time to do it. And he says, you know, I I was confused about who it was. Crowd's booing him for holding on so long. And then he tells the crowd, um, I'm rock hard with emotion. I have a boner. And I thought to myself, I have made terrible life choices that I cover this sport for a living. So that's it. That's it. Those are your Bellator 221 and uh, UFC 237. By the way, there was hardly any interest in this card or uh, either card, either card. The traffic was very, very low for both of these. Um, So take that for what it's worth. By the way, it was good to hear Morrow on the Bellator call as well. All right. You got questions? You got comments? Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and then donate in that super chat players. All right. Let's go. All right. Um, Alex says, congrats on the new baby. Really enjoy your work. I wish you nothing but the best for you and your family's future. What a very nice thing to say, Alex. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. So it says, Manjot says, just want to show support. Love the channel and your personality. That's rare. Thanks for all of your hard work you put in. It's very evident. Well, thank you, man, Jot. I appreciate that. Uh, is Canelo number one pound for pound better resume than Loma or Bud? Ooh. Loma, you could maybe argue. Yeah. Um, Bud? I have to think about that one. Uh, let's see. Congrats on the baby from Canada and the Yeah Films team. Have you seen Chernobyl on HBO yet? It's wildly unsettling. I have not. I have watched a lot of movies in my downtime because I've been off. I've not been off of work, but I've been off of my radio show for about two and a half weeks, and I only did one week of my Vox Media work. Been watching a lot of movies. Finally saw Avengers Endgame. I saw that new uh, seven hundred dollar million, uh, seven hundred million dollar um, Chinese movie, Wandering Earth, on Netflix. Wow, that sucked a dick. That was terrible. Don't watch that. Uh, but I'm watching a bunch of old movies. I watched Bone Collector, which sounds like another porno, but uh, it was a no. Was bad. That was not good. What was a good movie I saw? Uh, I thought I liked Endgame. I thought Endgame was good. Um, I've been meaning to watch Cobra Kai. I haven't watched that yet either. Uh, does Tony versus Cowboy seem like a catch twenty two? Would much rather see them in a title fight. Uh, after Tony versus Habib or Cowboy versus McGregor or vice versa. No, I, I hated, I hated, I didn't like Connor versus Cowboy. It just felt contrived and like, like, you know, it felt like, I don't know, like a zoo where the people who run it want to get two chimps to mate and they just put them in a cage and uh, otherwise would necessarily never be there. I don't know. It was sort of, I, I, I didn't, it just didn't feel like anything we needed to see. Not that it would be bad, but. I don't know. It did. It didn't. As I mentioned on the MMA Hour on Monday, it didn't spark joy. This one sparks joy because Cowboy, if he beats Tony, gets the best one of his career. And if you're 
Tony, you have Cowboy, who just got the best, if not the best one, one of the best ones of his career in beating Ally Quinta, rocketing to the top of that division. So you get entried right back into a great spot. You could say he was already there, but the division was beginning to churn a little bit. So like getting right back in there is kind of important. It's an all-action fight on the feet and on the ground. Uh, both guys have great cardio, and um, it just promises to be nothing but fantastic. So I'm looking forward to it much more than I was anything else. Why are elbows to the back of the head illegal, but spiking someone isn't? I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. Because ostensibly, if you're picking up and dropping somebody, the amount of force you can generate is maybe even more than you can generate Sorry, with your hands, or with your arm or your elbow. I don't know. I don't know. Does Rose get a rematch or do they move forward? She might. I don't know how much she wants one, to be honest with you, man. She might. Um, but, you know, look, you get finished inside two rounds. I know she was looking good, but I wouldn't mind her. Like, them moving on. My rule on this is, man, like, look, you could do a rematch if you get jobbed by the refer- no, the referees or the judges. You got you got KO'd. It's like the same thing with Stipe. It's like, okay, credit to Stipe for holding out. He's going to get his, he's going to get his rematch. But, like, the whole argument was because he had been a champ for a long time. Okay, but you got... You lost inside of a round. Like, just move it through. And then Lesnar is not deserving, so fine. Like, I'm not going to cry any tears for Lesnar, but, you know, this idea that, like, we, we, in MMA, we just give champs rematches because they're champs. Dog, if they lose and they get stopped, yes, Rose is a bit of a weird situation. Like, there's, there's always going to be a reason to be like, well, Rose fought well. What about that? Stevie was champion a long time. What about that? Okay, they got finished. What about that? Rotate it. Rotate it. That's my rule of thumb. Uh, after now holding the title for the longest losing streak in UFC history, what's to be said about BJ Penn and what he has become? Congrats on your daughter. So happy for you. We need shirts, my dude. Working on that. Working on that. My, the guy who made uh, the Manos Ariba shirts. Remember that? And he made, well, all the shirts I used to make. Um, all the ones that are in the merch store. Um, Judd. Um, he uh, visited uh, me recently and uh, we talked about it we're not doing anything right this moment i wanted to get through the birth of my kid and everything else um i got some stuff i got to do as i mentioned (laughs) um i can't say much more than that but once that is all settled we're definitely going to get back on the merch grind for sure um as for bj penn i don't know what else to say i I think if i say anything else people are just going to get bitter but that's where i'm at jessica and rose rematch no I'd be happy to see them just move along. Uh, let's see. There's this dude who signs in as Harvey Weinstein and does a Harvey Weinstein bit. Like, is, aren't the Harvey Weinstein jokes dead at this point? And he signs in and he goes, Luke, you're a great youthful protege of myself when it comes to building their brand and image. Studio's looking great, but still need uh, a potted plant. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Luke, what do you think, well, who would win a bout between, uh, Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush? Dariush, if it's on the feet? Also, does Juliana Pena have any plans to come back? She told me yes, but I don't know what the word is, man. I don't know what the word is. Uh, 
again, congrats to you and your baby, Luke. Nothing but the best, dude. I got, I, I can't, I mean, I'm knock on wood here. I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, knock on wood. Dude, my baby doesn't really cry. She cries when she gets hungry. Uh, and that's about it. That's about it, dude. Like, she'll, you can play with her for however long you want. Like, um, when I change her, she doesn't cry. Put her in the car, doesn't cry. Bather, she cried the first time, but no longer cries. Um, you know, she might get fussy, like, eh, 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 but doesn't cry. She only cries when she, like, really is hungry. Uh, or you leave her alone for too long or something, but very rarely. Last night, we had two different spaces where she slept three hours and then three and a half hours. And so my wife are rotating. My wife and I are rotating. Um, so, man, I f- like, I'm blessed to have a kid, but I'm just saying, like, given my work demands, to have a kid who doesn't cry and is two weeks old yesterday and we can already sleep train her a little bit it's like i don't deserve it man i don't i don't deserve a beautiful life like that making my life better i feel like i I, you know (laughs) i feel like i'm only entitled to rabid dogs and uh, new york city subway rats you know and then to get this like incredibly beautiful child who has just the sweetest demeanor um i don't know what i did to deserve it to be to and i mean it sincerely like uh, did I make a Faustian deal and I not know about it? You know, I don't know. It's crazy how how it all worked out. Uh, Semper Fi to the gentleman. Uh, don't want to ask a question. Just want to thank you for the great work. Wow, you guys are really nice today, man. I, re- I really appreciate that. I'm sorry that my nose is all fucked up and I'm breathing like this. I, I really apologize. I'm doing the best I can. So um, thank you guys for putting up with that. Thank you guys for being so nice tonight, man. Makes a big difference. What? Are, what, what? I really appreciate y'all's positivity tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, was that Lima MVP fight KO of the year? Sean Alshadi thinks so, and I tend to agree. Or at least it's in the running. Definitely in the running. But it's been a violent year, man. There's been some KOs. Uh, let's see. Dalton says, congrats on the baby. Luke, what happened with Aldo? Looked flat. I didn't think he looked flat. I just thought he looked limited. He wasn't hurt or gassed. Just... Got outpointed waiting to counter. Yeah. Maybe couldn't get up to take out another contender. Unmute me. Strike MX NYC. Uh, I'll take a look. No, I didn't think he looked flat. I just thought he looked... The other guy had... Again, remember what the city boxing guys believe. My fakes and feints. If if you don't and I do, I'll win. Or if we both fake and faint, but I'm better at it and I'm more active at it, I will win. What did you see? How did Stipe approach Corm? How does he approach Cormier differently? Stay out of the clinch. Stay out of the clinch for sure. <laughs> uh, I learn English from your channel. Thursday, I am a U.S. citizen. Will you use channel for talk about Armenia Greek genocide? I have in the past. It's not really relevant for a uh, MMA channel, but as much as there can be. Be serious for a second. You'll still advocate for permitting PEDs in the sport even after that. No way a 5'1", 115-pound girl has you all remember strength like we just saw. Rose could have just died. No BS. Again, I've never advocated for allowing straight-up PEDs in sport. Uh, this is a um, uh, totally incorrect recitation of what I have advocated. Not in any way correct. I've essentially... Here's a, the best way to understand my position. More or less, just do what Bellator does. Does that sound terribly uh, immoral to you? 
It might. I don't know. But that's essentially my position. Like, look, what should we do? We should basically go back to commission testing. It's essentially my view um, with some slight differences. But that's my attitude. And I don't see a lot of people complaining. So, and by the way, you have Patricio Pitbull saying for years that Chandler's on PEDs, 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 and then he smoked him inside a minute or just outside of a minute. So it's like, I understand that these things do actually enhance performance, but if you really believe that, didn't seem to affect him in his fight whatsoever. So keep that in mind. Does the UFC need Joe Rogan? The UFC doesn't need anybody, but I think they definitely like having him around. Where does MVP go from here? People say the hype train got derailed. I mean, I, I didn't think he was riding a bunch of hype after the Semtex win, and I think a lot of people had some questions about the strength of schedule he had competed against. So I think they just put him up against somebody who will give him an exciting fight and they'll go from there. I don't, this is not like some terribly damaging win for him. Luke, thanks for the content staying up late. Uh, mind sending birthday wishes to Photoshop King at Orange Ape. Love Orange Ape. I owe him a t-shirt too, by the way. I've still not done that because I'm awful, but happy birthday to Orange Ape. That t-shirt is going to happen. Uh, let's see. Diaz Pettis. Oh, yes. They announced that, or I think it was reported. I love that fight. I love that fight. I love that fight. Why do I love that fight, right? Um, okay, if you're Pettis, you get to get in a big profile win. I mean, you beat Thompson the way you did, and then you beat Nate Diaz. Holy shit, man. You are cooking with gas at that point, number one. Number two, if you're Diaz, you get a guy who's probably going to strike with you, not really going to wrestle you. You get a guy that even at 170 you might have a size advantage over, right? So there's that. Um, he, Diaz has been out for a while, but if he beats a guy like Pettis, who just rocketed into the top 10, even maybe even somewhere, I think, in that space, you beat him, now you're all of a sudden a super relevant player. You don't have to cut a bunch of weight. Uh, and you get to box a dude up. Like, And by the way, either guy could win. I'm not making any predictions about it. I'm simply saying, like, dude, there's a lot to like about that fight. Action fight. And you don't have to deal with, you know, everyone loves Diaz being, like, you know, fingers, middle fingers to everybody at press conferences, and I'm one of them. But I don't know, man. I don't, do you guys not feel, like, utterly fatigued with that shit right now? Like, I'm happy to have a guy against Diaz who just is chill, cool. Like, no beef. Just go in there and scrap it out. Like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm excited for that. So, um, so I, I just love – it's just good timing. It's really good timing on that. I love that. Uh, let's see. Why won't UFC do Penn versus CM Punk in Hawaii? I don't know how far we are away from that. Did MVP give a good account of himself despite losing? Yeah, at first. As I mentioned before, he didn't. He was way more active in this fight than he was in uh, previous contests. Uh, let's see. Was, ooh, Jesus Christ. Was there controversy in Thug versus Andrade? Didn't get to watch live, but for the first time I looked, Google showed Thug Rose as winner. I don't know what that means. Uh, someone says, you're really deep in the convo about MMA to a level morally and tactically no one else does. Thank you. I appreciate that. Congrats on becoming a father. Real Madrid is a fascist club. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's see. Long time viewer from Alberta, Canada. So happy with all your success. Congrats on the new edition. I love how well you articulate your positions. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And then someone says, Andrade is just a placeholder until Suarez gets her shot. Hey, man. Y'all know I'm a big believer in uh, Tatiana Suarez. That's a fact. So, all right. 
I probably have a baby to go change at this point. I need to go check and see what my wife is up to because it's 2 a.m. in the morning and I got stuff to do. Still got to go to the gym tomorrow. A um, couple things, as I mentioned before, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, MMA Hour on Monday. I am back on the SiriusXM airwaves after a nearly three-week hiatus on Monday. Ugh, kind of kind of dreading it, to be candid with you. But I'm back. So much to discuss. I appreciate you guys watching. Thank you so much to anyone who watched. Thank you to anybody else who donated. And thank you guys for just the general positivity. I really appreciate that. So I got to get out of here. I will talk to you guys uh, when I do this next time. Until then, get some sleep.